Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast with Chris McGuire. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Lifelong Learning Podcast and today is a special episode. Special for a few reasons. Uh, It's my first uh, episode with two guests. First guest is an old teacher of mine. Bradley Scanlon. Bradley, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. It's <laughs> nice to be on this side of the table where you're teaching me and I'm not having to do all the teaching. Of course. And and an old student of mine, Sebastian Nicole. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Sebastian, what year are you in? Just give us a little bit of a profile for the people listening. Uh, I'm in year seven at uh, Parramatta Myers High School. And it's towards the end of the year. How's the year been, Seb? Uh, pretty good, yeah. All the exams are finished, so um, yeah, it's wrapping up now. And Sebastian's a little disappointed at the moment because it is sport time, but he, uh, you've, you've, you've got an injury, mate. Yeah, um, I tore my uh, ligament in my ankle after playing soccer, so I'm out for a bit, so I can't play some sport. Well, the benefits across the country are for our listeners, so, uh, so let's uh, get started. So the whole theme of this episode is project-based learning. So for to educators who are listening, I'm sure you may have heard a little bit about it or you may be living um, project-based learning, but I thought we might begin with Brad. Brad, can you just share a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day work? Uh, Chris, my day-to-day work is very, very varied. Um, it starts um, by uh, engaging with schools who do want to uh, shift their pedagogy into more of a student-centred approach. Um, I travel to schools. I uh, work with them face-to-face. I work with teachers face-to-face. I work with leadership teams face-to-face, as well as uh, principals and deputy principals. Um, The second part of my job is uh, what I call remote coaching. So Mm -hmm. I Skype in with schools and check in to see how they're going and if I can offer support or... Mm -hmm. Uh, any of that, those things, and and the last part of uh, my role is organising uh, events where mm-hmm. we have uh, teachers who uh, come together and uh, we work um, collaboratively to yep. shift student outcomes. Is our primary uh, focus. I like how you said the word shift because that's a, a focus of this. Because we were talking before we were recording about um, what schooling looked like, mm. you know, what you were in, you know, 16 years ago, yeah. um, about that whole idea of uh, engaging in a, a unit yeah. and completing that test at the end of the unit, yeah. you know, getting your 77 out of 100 yeah. and uh, move on to the next unit. Well, Chris, as a, your teacher, I know that all too well. You know, yep. you sat in my class and I delivered a whole heap of content to you. You re- remembered it and you mm-hmm. remembered it well. If I uh, mm-hmm. if I can reflect, because you did, you're a, you're, a, you're a great student, um, absolutely. And, <laughs> and uh, so you were able to pretty much remember what I said. Uh, mm-hmm. I tested you on the things that I said to you, so mm-hmm. uh, and you, you you spat them back, um, yep. and then uh, generally the assessment happened at the end of the the course, end of the the whatever period it was, um, and uh, you you got you got a score, and and then we moved on to the next course. That's right, and that's that. Uh, I guess an old model, but we are uh, we're talking about a bit of a shift. Mm. But um, before we, so there's one model. Let's yeah. hold that there for a sure. moment, and let's talk to Seb. Let's talk about some of the assessment tasks that uh, you had completed last year. Now you completed a pretty cool one where you had created a TED talk. 
um, last year. Um, Biodiversity. By, so, there you go. He, he's remembered it Weren't as well. Weren't you his teacher? <laughs> <laughs> so could you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about that unit of work for you? Uh, so in that unit, we had to create a TED Talk, like a speech, uh, about a topic called biodiversity. But it wasn't just the content as well, Seb, but, um, because when you were presenting those, um, that's coming back to me now, but when you were presenting that, there were multiple cameras recording you um, because you were creating a product. Yep, so we had um, many, ca- like we had three camera angles recording uh, um, during the TED Talk and then at the end of the recording we had to put those three different camera angles and, and create them into one iMovie mm-hmm. and that iMovie had to display... Um, the three different parts of our TED talk with the three different camera angles, mm-hmm. and during that we le- during that unit we learned how to about different camera angles and how they can affect the way the viewer um, p- mm-hmm. like thinks about the the TED talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got two kind of uh, a bit of not a dichotomy, but something similar where we've we've gone through a unit, we've completed an assignment, uh, we've completed a test, we've gone through a unit, we've created something that we that is of value that was shared publicly for people to view. Mm. Why the shift? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of parts to the shift. The shift, um, a, a lot of um, academic scholars will talk about the shift of uh, the technology age and our mm-hmm. students can uh, access content faster than we ever could as students ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to say and I don't want to uh, put teachers knowledge or understanding down but sometimes Mr. or Mrs. Google can tell the kids more than we can mm-hmm. so the students have access to information at an amazing rate at any time of the day. That need to remember, as we were talking about 17 years ago, Yes, um, there's no need to remember that because you've got Siri, who's going to Google it for you Correct. straight away. You um, the, Look, when, when you, were, you were at school and when I was at school, we had Encyclopedia Britannica, we had reference books, uh, we had library, uh, members of staff in the library that could help us get to us uh, a place, mm-hmm. answer some questions. Uh, yep. That all took time. Yep. And really, the fastest way of giving you the information was to go to a textbook or the teacher just told you. Mm-hmm. Today, I ask you a question of uh, what is the function of the Krebs cycle in uh, energy production? And you may have no idea, but you can find that out within 30 seconds of typing in Krebs cycle into your phone. Mm-hmm. And so why am I having to spend a whole period of actually teaching you that when it's right there in front of you? Mm-hmm. The shift comes to educators now focusing on what are the skills that we want our students to have when they leave year 12 and move into adult life. Now, I spend a lot of time talking to teachers, and the first thing I will ask them is, what type of student do you want leaving your school in year 12? Mm -hmm. And 99 out of 100 teachers will say... uh, Every skill you can imagine except for I want them to get a great HSC. I've only had one or two teachers in hundreds of teachers I've spoken to have said that's a primary uh, uh, important Mm -hmm. piece. 
Okay. Um, and skills. So it's not just content. No. It's you're in, you bring a new dimension to skills. So yeah. when when and what what are the skills we want students to leave? I mean, is it essentially a, a number of skills in order to leave home and and live a successful life? Yeah. So what are those and. And you can um, unpack, um, break it yeah. um, break it down. We talk about twenty first century skills or soft skills yeah. or um, agency. Yeah. Um, could you unpack that? Yeah. Well, I can use Sebastian as a great example. He's a young man who is uh, sitting in a room with a microphone in front of him. He has uh, already developed in the short amount of time he's either been at uh, at school mm-hmm. and doing project based. He's developing a, a really an amazing presentation skill. Mm-hmm. Right, he's standing in front of two men and 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 talking and and doing a great job. So he's articulating that. So the skill development goes along those lines. So we look at critical and creative thinking. How do we get our students to be critical and creative thinkers? How do we explicitly teach those skills that are in form a critical and creative thinker? Mm-hmm. Uh, presentation skills, collaboration skills, communication skills. Once upon a time, teachers. Uh, believed, and I believe, I'm only going to speak from myself, uh, um, I believed that students would uh, organically develop these skills uh, and I didn't have to teach them because I was just getting... Yes, exactly, right? So uh, in today's world, I think I've spent a bit more time thinking about how do we actually develop these skills for Mm -hmm. these students and support them. And uh, and I think we're we're on the on the road to change. Mm-hmm. We're on that beginning. When you hear about the word skill, uh, Sebastian, is that something you hear in class quite often? Well, sometimes we learn about we learn about researching skills and skill mm-hmm. and presentation skills, and we discuss as a class how we can improve our presentations and how we can research effectively. Yep. So, like for example, when we had to create a google slides presentation um before we'd create the google slides we'd have a class discussion about what makes a good presentation Mm -hmm. so looking at the audience eye contact um not just looking towards the wall and things like that so as a class you kind of come up with this joint uh criteria of what it looks like to be successful in this task yeah um, and what and and it sounds like some of those skills you kind of mentioned there about um, communicating and um, what makes a, a good presentation. Yeah. Um, how do you know if you've been successful in, I guess, meeting the agreed criteria for that task? So before we even start the task, we have something called a rubric, and on the rubric it gives us some outcomes that we need to meet in order to be successful in the task Mm -hmm. and those outcomes sometimes they say like critical thinking outcomes like that okay so there's one of those uh, skills that brad was talking about that critical thinking um can you think of and i know i'm putting you on the spot right now but can you think of a rubric that you've uh used recently that kind of focused on one of those skills maybe it was critical thinking so one of the tasks i've just recently completed is a um a taz task Mm -hmm. so taz deals with leather woodwork and food Mm -hmm. tech Mm -hmm. so in in that rubric it told it at the bottom there was a school-wide learning outcome Mm -hmm. said critical thinking and in order to be successful in that we needed to create something an innovative product in one of those three mm-hmm. topics so for example i like something so for example i created a sushi board in woodwork so that um and i and that was one of the unique ones so like um that's how we try to meet the outcome mm-hmm. so that's not by accident so the teachers here at Paramount, yeah. Paramount and Morris will let the students know how to be successful before they've even engaged in any of the content for th- these units yeah um i think if we just talk about um 
Sebastian's language just for a couple of seconds. So we have a student who's in year seven who starts to talk about the rubric. Mm -hmm. He's talking about school-wide learning outcomes, critical thinking, being an innovator. The language that he is using is the same language that teachers are using. Mm-hmm. So we feel that they're what, what an amazing connection, yeah. right? So he is he is um, fully understanding uh, these components of his own learning. Mm-hmm. There's no secret for Sebastian where he's going with his no. learning. He knows straight away. That's clear, mm. and that's that's on purpose, right? Well, absolutely. Um, and it's back to that. Uh, shifting from teachers purely teaching content mm-hmm. uh, where now teachers can teach um, the skill along content. Look, um, Chris, I, I talk a, a little bit about um, the traditional teacher versus uh, a, a teacher um, uh, probably we, we would say the 21st century teacher. Now, I, there's a little bit of criticism with that because, um, you know, the traditional teacher, what does that actually mean? Well, let's just talk about the, you know, 1920s, 30s industrial model teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that teacher um, who is purely focused on content um, has uh, a... Um, a time where they can teach the content without necessarily teaching a skill. Mm-hmm. So I can give a, t- a student a piece of work in writing, or mm-hmm. they can listen. Yep. So read and listen. So that's the skill. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can give them the work, and I can actually tick that off on my syllabus. Yep. I have taught Sebastian X because he has read it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I feel that we have in the conversation with teachers is, we can teach a skill, and the way we teach a skill, we can only teach a skill uh, v- with the use of content. Mm-hmm. We can't teach a skill in isolation. You can't just teach collaboration and have no content. Mm-hmm. So there if needs we to want be a direction for that skill, a platform for that skill to platform. develop. So my question to you is, Chris, is if we're going to need a platform, how about we use the syllabus mm-hmm. as the platform? Mm-hmm. So let's identify the skill and let's teach the skill through the content mm-hmm. of the syllabus. And for people listening, we talk about the industrial um, era of teaching where yeah. the students were, they needed to leave school and be able to work in this industrial uh, revolution to be mm. to be able to contribute. The, the skills weren't that necessary of, of creative thinking for no, example no. you had a role and you need to um, you need to serve that role and, and it was a great role it was a great model because it was easy to scale mm. it was easy to to have a lecture out the front and have a hundred students and say yeah. I've ticked the syllabus boxes yeah. but now those skills there's a shift so it's not just a shift in teaching the teaching is not driving the change it's I guess society is driving the change the need for new skills in order for I guess uh, productive and meaningful ideas to continue to move forward into who knows what the next revolution so teaching uh, has been about and as a student in the the past we've we've all been about accountability and productivity mm-hmm. you know our teachers give us work to do and we're accountable for us doing it mm-hmm. uh, I, i'd like to add in just even one component which is creativity like today we are looking at creativity as uh, a, a, an important one important aspect mm-hmm. but i can't teach creativity or i can't get our students to be creative without making them productive um, and accountable. So yeah. there's a, like a triangle. Right? Yeah. So talk about creativity. Sebastian, when you when you hear creativity, what does that mean for you? 
Um, so when I hear creativity, I think about um, things that are unique and things that haven't really been mm-hmm. um, come up with before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And, and I'm thinking um, about last year, we had a, in the primary school that Sebastian came from, had a learner quality mm-hmm. wheel, which was talking about those learner dispositions. And there was one, uh, a segment in there called creativity. And there were, and students um, were aware, and I know I've just put Sebastian on the spot, <laughs> but, but students are aware and live that language of, well, if I'm going to uh, collaborate, I need to be able to communicate. I need yes. to be able to accept differences, resolve disputes. Yes. Um, and that's that kind of explicit breaking down of, a, a 21st century skill um, that we've we just mentioned before. Yeah. Well, isn't it isn't it amazing how we're explicitly teaching Sebastian those skills where you and I it organically happened if it happened at all. Yeah. How do and how do we really know, Bradley, if we've um, I guess achieved those skills? But how do we, how do students know if they've achieved those skills? So what's an element that's a part of PBL? Um, that could help, I guess, uh, students identify where they're at hmm. to identify where they're going next. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge uh, for teachers is to um, put that in on some type of continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, look, we have a lot of support through the uh, ACARA and, you know, uh, and um, uh, you know, educational... Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. So we, have, um, we do have support in that. But it's about how do we actually get that over to the students. Uh, so it's it's creating rubrics that are um, able to be read and understood and explained to at the different levels that the students are in. Mm-hmm. That and that's an art form, the creation of a uh, of a great rubric. Absolutely. Okay, so if you're a teacher, Bradley, who's creating this rubric, you've created a project. You, yeah. You've you've identified the syllabus content that you'd like to cover. You've identified the skills that you're trying to draw from the students. Yeah. How do you before you even teach this program? Yeah. How do you know you're on the right track? How, how, is there some sort of a fil, fil, filter process or a process where you check in with your? Pe- pe- I don't know. What, what, yeah. what does that look like? So I think when when staff uh, um, build um, a unit of work, um, I like to think that staff um, have other people that they can bounce ideas off. Mm-hmm. So uh, building in teams where teachers sit down in groups and uh, try to identify the outcomes that they want from the students and um, and they discern uh, what students don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, so the collaboration of teachers, building projects and building units of work is really important. But I'm going to throw another arm into that, is yeah. what we don't do in teaching that we we should do more of is actually ask the students is this hitting the mark with with you is it, is, is it is it actually going to be something that you're interested in yeah and are we pitching this unit right kids i'm a 40 <laughs> plus year old man and i'm teaching 13 year old students mm-hmm. we have different opinions of things and yeah. we have different interests yeah absolutely so i just need to you know they're a wonderful resource for us to target and is that in your role as coach and and you're working with uh, teachers and it, and it must be such a big mindset shift mm-hmm. for, for teachers when you talk about um, the the way moving from this um, old kind of model of yeah. summative relying only on that summative feedback yes. um, but really trying to I guess change that pedagogical approach I mean that must be a, a tough nut to crack uh, Chris I think you're right in elements um, the part that I think it, um, 
that uh, I, I'd like listeners, whoever's listening, uh, to understand is is that um, teachers, uh, like humans, aren't uh, resistant to change. Mm-hmm. We all are happy to change. It's the loss that we are resistant to. So if there is an element of loss that is going to enter into my workplace or my work style, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to resist that. So I think it's really important. Sorry, just to break that yeah. down. So we say a loss of this is how I've always done things One. and I'm going to lose that or... Potentially, that's yep. an element, right? I've, yep. I've done things this way, and now you're asking me to do something completely different. Yep. So uh, as a, a, a teacher educator or just a, um, a, a, some, a coach, uh, um, my, my role is a school development coach, so it's not just focusing on the teachers, as I mentioned at the start. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely in the teaching uh, aspect that we're talking about, it's shifting um it's allowing teachers to understand that this shift um can be on your terms as much as it is on mm-hmm. on the students terms and we have to minimize the loss and uh maximize the the uh skills that teachers have so it's not getting rid of a whole heap of stuff and mm-hmm. then replacing it with new um the industrial model the industrial teaching method the stand and t- chalk and talk mm-hmm. there are elements of that that are absolutely essential for the student mm-hmm. learning explicit teaching i mean explicit teaching you're right <laughs> you'll never replace that you never replace that because what i can talk with sebastian one on one and explicitly tell him about a piece of his learning that he's missing mm-hmm. he i can't find that in mm-hmm. a textbook yeah. and nor can i find that um in uh, what we, we would say um uh, individualizing his learning mm-hmm. that doesn't happen out of a textbook yeah the teacher has to give that to him uh okay so and it and i like the uh we, sounds like we're about to touch on feedback as well sure and um how valuable that is yeah. within the process and and not just feedback i mean we mentioned summative assessment but i might even throw it over to sebastian do you receive feedback or an assessment at the end of a project is that the only time you receive that feedback or assessment mark or is there is that kind of built in to the project um so in in our projects we usually have two parts so we have a formative and a summative Mm -hmm. so during the first part of the project the formative we usually receive feedback on like what we can improve on yep and then at the summative is usually a group task and then the summative is our overall feedback on what we've what what we've done well throughout the whole project Mm -hmm. and what we could have improved on so with that formative feedback um, do you receive that from your teacher or from your peers or um it depends because on the ta- about the task so if it was a task say like a writing piece that we'd have to submit to our teacher mm-hmm. then we'd receive it from our teacher but if it was like an evaluation for a product so for example for woodwork if it was an evaluation it would be from our peers and then that feedback would help us improve it for our summative how important is that feedback for your learning um, well, feedback is really important because it can help us improve next time um, mm-hmm. and see what we, we could have done better. Mm-hmm. And it can also help others take away that feedback to improve their learning. Mm-hmm. So not just us, just it also the other students and our peers. Okay, so you, you've been in a situation where one of your peers um, has asked you to can you look at my work and um, what are your thoughts, Sebastian? What do you think? How, do, how am I going and what's my next step? Yeah, so like sometimes when we've received our marks, sometimes um, group members want to see 
how we all went and see what they could have done to make their mark at a mm-hmm. higher standard. Mm-hmm. And so have I like seen other group members and seen how I can improve my work to make it at a better standard. Mm-hmm. And you're mentioning a lot about group. It sounds like group work is a, a key feature of um, project-based learning. Is that, would you say, Brad? Or is it just one element, depending on the project, I guess? I think it's definitely an element of... Um, project-based learning or student-centered learning the reason why we use groups is to go back to the early conversation around developing skills Mm -hmm. Um, collaboration teamwork um, all of these parts are really important skills for our students to develop Um, much like yourself and I uh, we work with a, a whole range of different people and we need to have these skills we need to be able to collaborate communicate in different um, settings um, one of maybe a misconception um, that project-based learning has it is purely about group work mm-hmm. and um, uh, project-based learning uh, student-centered learning inquiry-based learning is not purely about group work it's about students interacting with each other to drive their own learning mm-hmm. and the group's learning or the class's learning yep. the year group's learning and it's important to get that right yeah because if you leave that group work in the hands of the students it could you know easily uh i guess a project get off track yeah absolutely um one of the um i think uh, maybe uh, an example i would give you is there is nowhere that I have experienced in my work life where I have worked with a group of people 100% of the time and we've completely uh, we've, we've worked set out to achieve a goal and we sit with each other the whole time and we work solely together no mm-hmm. what group work really looks like in the real world is we come together we brainstorm we get an idea of the direction of where we want to take our work mm-hmm. we set each other goals and di- deadlines and and we then go off as individuals and do that work and then bring it back to the group for mm-hmm. analysis mm-hmm. or uh, review and evaluation and then we go back out and do individual stuff and bring it back in yeah and, and I like that uh, comparison because in the real world, adults working together in a group, not always does it work, does it uh, pan out smoothly. No. Um, as we are humans and, and, you know, it's uh, that ability to, I guess, accept differences and collaborate can be difficult. H- how do you kind of uh, guide the students? Okay, so the students have come together as a group. Yeah. How do they guide, um, you know, how do they ensure, how do, how do they be accountable to each other in that scenario with our group work? Maybe, Sebastian, you could share this. If you're working with a group, how do you guys, um, before you start work, how do you make sure you're accountable to each other in the group? Uh, so, usually before our task, we complete a group contract. And in the group contract, we complete, um, we set goals for each other and deadlines. And Really? In, yeah. Okay, hang on. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. Sorry. What's an example of some of those goals and deadlines? What, what, what could that potentially look like in a previous project you've worked on? So we might have to draw up a table in a document and then put each other's names down and write tasks that we need to complete and when they need to be completed by. And then once they've been completed, we tick it. But if it hasn't been completed, um, we bring it up with the teacher and then if they haven't done their part, then the the people who have get the marks mm-hmm. for the for the project. Is that designed by you or the teacher? So we have the sca- it's scaffolded by the teacher and then it's given to us so we just fill it out. But usually um, during a project, we're meant to come back to it and 
like uh refresh it to see where everyone's at and if everyone's completing their part but um it's not really it's not really like that in the classroom mm-hmm. so like when during a project um sometimes the work isn't really accounted for and people are just doing like whatever they want so sometimes people won't be completing work and others might be completing the workload mm-hmm. and most of the work so that's where it sort of like falls off a bit so for you can that that can still be difficult working in that group scenario where you come together you might you'll have a contract um and people say i'm accountable for this but sometimes that doesn't happen yeah sometimes they just write it but then during the project they don't actually complete it so then Mm -hmm. the other person that wants to sort of get the marks and do Mm -hmm. well doesn't really um doesn't really know what to do and doesn't want to sort of snitch and tell the teacher so they just end up doing the work and then sort of going to try get the marks i mean that's great that we've got as a student's uh, perspective on this as well um because obviously i can see how it would work mm. and i can see how there would be those uh, scenarios so uh, from a student's perspective you've got this these two elements right where you're working with the group um, but you've also, as as uh, Brad said, you're away, you, you're doing that work on your own. Um, and I guess, you know, when you talk about the rubric and, and that assessment, mm. what does that look like then, Brad? You know, if you're, um, do you, you get a, a mark that's contributing to your individual mark or a yeah. group mark? What, what does that look like? Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty uh, difficult element uh, of um, group work and assessment of group work. I think it's when we are designing tasks that do involve uh, a number of students handing in a collective and a collaborative piece of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we design the task so we can see individual work within that collaboration. Okay. Uh, the, the way in which um, we can question through assessment uh, that if uh, student A is presenting a piece of work, uh, we could potentially ask student B to explain student Mm -hmm. A's presentation Mm -hmm. so there's this you know that we can have um, ways in which we can make sure that students understand that there is a collaborative uh, piece and everybody's being tested but the the thing uh, I think we need to mention is that um, the students if we we engage with the students they should not be getting to the end of the unit of work and now we realize that they're not doing the work that's been asked of them okay we should know from very early on those students who are engaging in the work yeah and the students who are not so is there an element of accountability for the students to say sir this isn't happening or i need help here or the group isn't working here is that yeah, I guess the process. Yeah, so teachers, uh, our role has shifted from the front of the classroom into the classroom and sitting with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, more opportunity to talk to students one-on-one uh, in, in small groups. We can then identify areas in which they are need developing mm-hmm. and, a, a, and, a, and a, a good teaching t- moment. Yeah is collecting that information, that data, and then saying, well, you know what? I've got five kids out of 15 who aren't getting X, so I'm going to run a little workshop specifically for those five students, Mm -hmm. and I'll get them up to speed. Rather than uh, presenting to all 15, I've now spoken to those five. Yeah. Makes sense. That's great. So it's that uh, point of need. Yeah. And it's not running a workshop for a whole class. It's, uh, we've identified this is a point of need for the student. Yeah. We'll run this workshop. Yeah. So what advice would you have for Sebastian, who's a year seven mm. student at the beginning of his high school and career? Yeah. Um, in this scenario, he just mentioned about um, some of the difficulties. What, what would be some advice for him to take his learning to the next level? 
I think it is um, looking at um, really um, developing a, a skill base that is appropriate to your age. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about developing skills uh, that it they will not be mastered uh, within the first year of high school, mm-hmm. uh, nor are they mastered in, when you're 45. Yeah. Uh, it's an ongoing mm-hmm. ongoing development. And uh, what I would... Uh, so in saying that, what I'm su- suggesting to Sebastian is that he takes the idea of a lifelong learner Mm-hmm. In uh, in every aspect of his life. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right, I've got a uh, specific question because uh, in my role as digital technologies uh, specialist teacher, I've I've begun to um, explore some of the learning management systems uh, that sure. ex- that exist. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a few out there. There's uh, one uh, Canvas, and I know that yeah. um, where there's one here at uh, Paramount Maris that you've got a subscription to um, Echo. Yeah. Um, could you, for people listening, yeah. a learning management system? What what does that mean? Well, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Learning management systems are really interesting. Um, you know, there, I think there are two types. Is one is that um, teachers are just using it as uh, repositories of their work, and the students can access it. Uh, the other way, which we here um, in, in the New Tech Network Australia look at, um, is a uh, a learning management system that goes above and beyond that of just uh, a, a place where content is stored. Mm-hmm. So um, in Echo in particular, there are um, the student um, accesses to the things that we just mentioned about content. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the students can access other students within the network of schools across mm-hmm. the country and across uh, the world, those mm-hmm. who use that and have instant access. Uh, one of the amazing features that uh, is um, is used is this uh, online professional learning. So online professional learning uh, via um, online courses mm-hmm. uh, is inbuilt into Echo. Um, a lot of those courses are developed in partnership with Harvard University and Stanford mm-hmm. in the US. Um, the online learning via joining... Um, of webinars. Yep. So every Tuesday morning at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. we can jump on and uh, watch a live feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you miss that, you can watch the recording. Uh, yeah, they're all yeah. they're all they're all taped. And and uh, the, the the last component um, I might may have left out a couple, but the last component is uh, an access to teacher resources, mm-hmm. uh, not only developed by again Stanford and Harvard, um, but also designed by teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're put in there, and we can uh, the example that you gave before is the, that rubrics um you know we there are specific rubrics into uh in in echo that are student-centered focus around mm-hmm. communication collaboration etc mm-hmm. etc et love so. that so if you're designing a project you might say this is this is a great opportunity to develop this skill yep. i wonder if I, I wonder what's available yes. um to kind of drive the what my final rubric might look like or just use other people's yeah other people's not not only that is um, other people's projects you might look through it and you might find a few projects in there that really stimulate thought and imagination and you you might get some students in and say can you have a look at this particular project tell me if you Mm -hmm. like it or not and we might modify it Mm -hmm. to our our context Um, how how cool is that now like schooling now so even from your perspective Sebastian so you must be familiar with Echo yeah what's what's the experience like for you 
So um, Echo is like really easy to navigate. So when we first open Echo, we've got all our subjects. So um, we might have P- so they're like into they're into groups. So PSM mm-hmm. would be PDH Science and Math, and HER would be History, English, and Religion. Okay, so your subjects are integrated yeah. as well. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's another. I think that's another podcast, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so. When we click onto one of those groups, we have all the projects for mm-hmm. each of those topics. And then if we click onto that project, we have all the work and we can see what, like, we can see our um, project launch. Mm-hmm. So in that folder, we have our, all, everything about our project. So our rubric, our group contract, our assessment notification, mm-hmm. and all those things. And if you exit out of that, you can navigate um, all the work and, like, you can find interactives that can help you yeah. with the work and how you can understand it. And that, I like how you mentioned as well, Brad, um, the uh, how teachers can go on and 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 self direct their own learning. Yeah. And and this same idea is available for students. So yeah. once they leave the school, the learning's not bound to these traditional walls here that's at right. Parramatta Morris. Yeah. That learning takes place beyond. Yeah, and that's the skill we want to teach. We want to teach that to st- teachers and students. It's how do we take control of our learning and continue on down a path which mm-hmm. is not. Uh, um, preset. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would like to say uh, regarding um, sort of like learning management systems is I, I'm not an advocate of either any in particular, but I am an advocate of um, learning management systems that can offer um, what teachers need yes. or what students need. So if, if it is appropriate and that it offers uh, all of the support, then use it and use yeah. it not as a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Not as a toy, but a tool. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes in, in today's world, we we do get hung up a little bit on uh, educational um, apps or, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- things online that are treated as an entertainment of mm-hmm. engaging the students yeah, rather I than, know uh, you know, teaching the students uh, using it as a, a tool. Yeah. Sometimes, um, yeah, I know what you're saying there, Brad, where the, the tool can drive the learning, but that shouldn't be the case at all. That learning, that rubric, what you set out to achieve, the, the tool, the technology should only further enable that learning. And, and I think I like the word that you use. We, we talk about a few things. Uh, technology that enables. Mm-hmm. Teaching that engages, mm-hmm. um, outcomes that matter to students, and a culture that um, builds the student. Um, so those four arms are really important to us. Okay, so we're about to wrap this up, um, but can you share um, any success stories with um project-based learning or you know you've engaged with this for a while now and you wouldn't have achieved this role that you currently are fulfilling uh, without that um what what, in your in your history of engaging and leading this what are some uh, success stories that you've seen in your time I think besides Sebastian, uh, yeah. look, I mean, Sebastian is uh, look. Uh, firstly, the way he articulated it, quite yeah, a that few was things, fantastic, uh, mate. That yeah, was great. I think he's Thank he's you. he's doing an amazing job. Um, uh, the, working with teachers who sit around a table with the one th- one uh, outcome that they are all trying to achieve is how can we improve student outcomes in our class and our school. When I walk into a staff room, when I walk into a a PD session, when I walk into a a coaching session with staff, it absolutely knocks my socks off 
every single time when we have educators who are trying to uh, formulate best practice mm-hmm. purely on improving student outcomes in their class. Mm-hmm. And that gives me an absolute buzz because yeah. we have got students in our classes who are really, really lucky that they've got lots of teachers thinking about them. Yeah, absolutely. And what a... Um a, uh, a comforting thought um, for parents who send you know their children to school knowing that those teachers are really you know and also collaborating themselves not sitting in silos and trying yeah. to come up with these wonderful ideas it, it's really you, you, you want the students to collaborate but the teachers live that skill themselves yeah and we have uh, um, from the teachers that I work with we have amazing uh, teachers, uh, we have an amazing uh, who have amazing amounts of passion mm-hmm. uh, for the, the the learning that happens in their classroom, and I'm just truly lucky to be able to go into um, into staff rooms and mm-hmm. uh, engage with that, and if I can create conversation mm-hmm. that uh, shifts people's thinking, then I think that I, I'm doing my job. All right. So before we wrap this up. Uh Brad, if can you share some information? Um, um, because there are, when I hear of PBL, it feels like there are different um, brands or versions. Yeah. Or what? What does that mean for people listening? I think, yeah, Chris, I I, I totally agree with you. Um, one of the things I think, um, you know, s- teachers and education systems are um, in sometimes uh, confused about is is this idea of inquiry-based learning, student-centered learning, PBL, problem-based learning, uh, a whole range of um, different learning modes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I work for New Tech Network Australia, mm-hmm. which uh, our, our, our title really is a school development... Get from our title, really. So our title really is a school development organisation. So we're not just a training organisation where we fly in and and work with teachers and motivate them and hope that they learn it within a couple of days and then we we go off and leave Mm -hmm. them. We develop, Mm -hmm. we coach, we are partners, we are side by side in the classrooms and looking at projects and developing strategies of moving forward in a logical and systemic way, systematic way. so we would also like to make note that uh, when we are looking at different philosophies of educational shifts, um, we try to uh, bring them together. So mm-hmm. instead of being silos, instead of inquiry-based learning, stepping out on the left and then, uh, you know, a, a project-based learning or any of them that we have um, that are siloed, I think what we try to do is wrap them up mm-hmm. and, and actually have them working all together in, in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, with Instead of creating these multiple agendas, it's um, yeah, yeah, it becomes very difficult at yeah. a school level to maintain and serve. Yeah. Look, I work with schools who uh, are have, as their pedagogy, they would call themselves an inquiry-based 
learning school. Mm-hmm. Now that is no different. There's there's not much difference between like a school that does would call themselves a new tech network school mm-hmm. or a school who does inquiry based learning. Mm-hmm. The job of uh, of new tech network uh, Australia is to come into the schools mm-hmm. and align practices. Yeah. Uh, support teachers, mm-hmm. give them the the newest uh, research that mm-hmm. is out there to improve student outcomes. Yeah. Um, so as a school development organization, we're really working hard in growing mm-hmm. and um, creating a, a, a place where teachers can um, have access to mm-hmm. PD, mm-hmm. have access to uh, a, a, a group of educators, mm-hmm. and this is why we're a network. Yeah. We want to establish networks because I think we have clarity over the last um, for for me, five years, uh, but in the network for twenty years of um, uh, true truly moving forward, mm-hmm. uh, it takes mm. a community rather than just one or two people. And, and I like that it's not a, a learning uh, process that relies on one learning theory, such as you know just constructivism. It, yeah. It's got an element of all these different elements you know connectivism you know with the way students are using technology to communicate to collaborate to gain feedback to seek you know it's um it sounds like it's something that's got these great elements that's to and 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 kind of not bundled together but you know presented in a way that just focuses on improving student outcomes that's what it is and and we want to focus on every school is unique Mm -hmm. Parramatta Marist for example that Sebastian goes to is is very unique Uh, it's not the same as the girls' school next door, Catherine McCauley. Mm-hmm. There are two, and so yeah. how do we how do we foster that uniqueness? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we foster individual students and their uniqueness yeah. uh, and bring it together? And I and uh, and um, I'm very lucky to be able to do the job I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we wrap this up, Sebastian, so you sat here listening to uh, two of your teachers um, yeah. talk about teaching. Yeah. <laughs> What's the insight for you? What, 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 when you hear, you know, uh, your teachers talk talk about your learning, talk about the work that goes in. Do you have any insights from being a part of the conversation? Um. Well, it's it's good to hear like different people's perspectives and get to understand like what you do in in learning and how I can take away from that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's like really good to be able to sit here with you guys and um, learn about what you guys do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, I think Sebastian, you've taught us quite a few things today yeah, too absolutely no uh, and and you were fantastic so thank you very much and thank you to sebastian's mum for <laughs> allowing him to join the show as well um brad thank you so much for coming in and sharing Chris. your expertise and at sebastian again congratulations well done thank you. and uh thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you in episode number nine